recorded live. Welcome to Off the Post. I'm Russ Cohen. We've got Anthony Mingione. And how are you? Speaking with an actual voice. Yeah, after last you're week. <laughs> That's great. Yep. You sound good. And, and we have Michael Jello. Mike, how are you? Well, I could cough into the phone, which I've been doing the last week, but I, I, right now I, I can talk. So good evening, gentlemen. All right. Well, Mike's coming off uh, a proud moment. He had uh, a shake at McDonald's, an eggnog shake. I don't know what that tastes like. I'm not an eggnog fan, but if you enjoyed it, Mike, it, I'm it happy tasted, for it. It tasted like eggnog. So. Dude, and, speak, speak, speaking of good beverages, I had Wawa's Holiday Blend Coffee today. Holy crap, that's good. Well, there you go. That's That oh, sounds like so, an endorsement. It's so good. It's like the coffee I get from Trader. It's it's like a coffee I get from Trader Joe's that went, you'll know this one, Russ, the winter blend. I don't know. I don't drink coffee. They sell that. Well, they sell it over, over Trader I've Joe's. I've seen it. Like I have greatest. seen it, but I, yeah, I, I just it's, don't it's drink coffee. It's the greatest thing ever. It's like I, went, I went to Dunkin' Donuts and had good hot chocolate today. That's, that's me, hot chocolate. All right. There you go. So let's talk. Hockey. Uh, I guess first off, we'll we'll talk about the expansion and, and Seattle. And the interesting thing was a couple of days ago, it really didn't look as rosy as it does now. But really, in the last 48 hours, what's happened is Jerry Bruckheimer has gotten on board. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy that's been pulling a lot of weight for a couple of years to try and get something going. I, I spoke to Jerry Bruckheimer years ago at at the NHL All-Star Game in L.A., like 2002 that might have been, and they played a charity game. And and then he made his intentions clear he wanted to get a team. So he's been wanting to do this for a while. And then so it's him, and now it's a minority owner from the Celtics. So it, it looks like it's it's got a lot better shot now. Still not the same as Vegas because they'll still be like the fourth team in the city, but it is a great sports city. So I think I think it'll happen. Well, the right, the right things are going at the speed it's going. They may be the third team in, in Seattle, and the uh, the basketball team may be fourth, depending on. Yeah, it depends on who be two. Because the NHL seems very, very, yeah, they're 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 moving awfully quick in terms of giving. Yeah. I mean, I know it doesn't take long to say, okay, yeah, we're going to give you permission to do a, a, a drive, but it's very obvious right now the NHL wants to get this done. Yeah, it's still going to take two years the quickest. Like, there's nothing. It's going to take at least right. close to that just for the renovation. Right. Exactly. Now, we have to hope the renovation goes right, though, because – and I'm not worried about it retrofitting right for hockey because clearly the, this is not going to be the Barclays Center with every, somebody saying it, it's we're, we're, hockey's in, hockey's out. Like, they're not going to do that. But the the worry is I was in that place the year that was the last year for the Sonics, and they didn't know it was their last year. And it was great for basketball – and it wasn't a good viewing place for hockey at all. And so mm. so I'm just hoping they can do enough changes that it is. Because even Seattle Thunderbirds fans were telling me, yeah, it's not the greatest hockey arena mm. because it was never made for hockey. It really wasn't well, it remind, made. It reminds me of when, when, the, when the Jets moved to, uh, to, to, uh, to Phoenix and they played at America West Arena, yeah. and it was just really bad. But then again, it was like, very quick turnaround there in that, in that circumstance. And again, this is, I'm getting the impression that this has, that the schematics and everything are a lot better in this circumstance in terms of what they're planning on doing with well, key. Well, from what I understand, it's going to be basically a complete gutting of the existing key. Arena. Yes. So the sight lines and things of that nature will be, will be completely changed. Now, the only thing 
I, 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 for some reason, I understand that Bruckheimer has been part of this for a while. Him and the other owner, yes. I think, his name yeah, is he's been involved with this. Yeah, they've been, they've been, they, they've been involved. When I was reading up on it earlier, he's been involved. It's kind of a late jump in for him. This, this was always kind of a target area. It's just again, Seattle had to get the arena situation squared away. Right. I, think, I guess that's what it was, and that's control. why we hadn't heard. Yeah. Exactly. So, and, they, and if we all remember, the order was, I mean, a few years back, I still remember, if, if, when they were talking about NHL expansion, Seattle was one, Vegas was two, and mm-hmm. then, you know, things were not coming together arena-wise, uh, at least at that point, and Vegas jumped to the head of the line because they had their ducks in a row. Yeah. So, w- this looks good. We um, We think it's going to happen pretty quickly. After that, you know, there's a lot of speculation. We'll we'll get into it down the road, but definitely a new team's coming, and we'll start to hear more. They're going to have their ticket drive, so you know, it, it's it, it's fun. I would think I mean, if they're holding. I would think if they, in the let's just but let's I, I kind of like playing this game anyway, so I'm going to do it anyway now, Rob. All right. Uh, in terms of the if they get Seattle, somebody's got to move out of the Pacific, right? Because then you got an overload. If they keep everything divisions as is. I would think so, yeah. They're going to rename they're, divisions. They're nine, they're nine teams out of They redo the divisions. I remember, like you saw this piece from James Myrtle about starting a Canadian division. I'm okay. not sure about the logistics on that. I'm not sure about the logistics on that. What were your thoughts on that? I, I, I don't think, like that. I think it's stupidity. It and, is. Honestly, it's like, you know, there's, a, there's, there's this great desire from the Western Canadian teams. They have Toronto and Montreal come in because it's guaranteed sellout gates and, and, you know, excitement. But a Canadian-only division, I think, is the last thing that, like, say, Hockey Night in Canada and CBC would want. Right. Um, That's what I would think logistically. It's just... Yeah, I think think what's going to end up happening is you're going to have potentially Arizona moving out of the Pacific Division and into maybe the Central, which, you know, might be even better if Arizona moves to Houston. Well, I would think they they would have to think at this point now that if, you know, with Vegas, if Vegas really kind of gets their – establishes themselves, then the NHL could say, okay, we've got got the American Southwest here. We want to try to – we wanted to at least do that in terms of having at least a a good rock-solid franchise there, and we'll see obviously in a few years. They might feel then a lot more comfortable about moving out of the Arizona area and moving into the Central, and they can look at it and say, hey, as you mentioned, Houston could be very much a possibility – and then you've got the natural geograph a natural geographic rivalry between the stars and if you know if Houston if Arizona did move to Houston that does make a lot of sense. We we talked about it during the day, and I'll mention what my thoughts are again on it. Basically, I think Arizona would go to Houston. It makes the most sense. So I think Houston is first in line for that franchise. And then I think if if things go bad in Calgary, I think that's when Quebec will come into play. That's what I think. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, the the one thing is I, I think that the, the, the blow of moving out of Arizona, which is a top 10 TV market in the U.S., will be softened by moving to Houston, which is a top four right. uh, market. So that, I think that's why if, if Arizona does fail one more time to get this building, you know, which you know, the NHL keeps saying it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I, I don't know how many times we can be promised something and then it falls apart. But if it falls right. apart one more time, I don't think the patience is there any longer from the NHL to keep pushing this down the road with an area that clearly does not want to uh, 
build a building and does not want to support an NHL team. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that's probably the route it's going to take, but it'll take another year. Although it may not take another year, like it could just be a tumultuous June and there is no stadium deal, and before they go do the schedule, they make a decision. Wouldn't shock me. Yeah, yeah, that's all. I mean, we'll we'll see how that goes. So, on another on another subject, uh, we we could talk about the Flyers. Their ten game losing streak is over. Their three game winning streak is on. But I have to tell you. I am not a fan of the way things are going as far as ice time. I get that you have a team that was dying for some wins. I do get it. But, again, this Travis Konechny playing 11 minutes a game and literally seven minutes of even strength time, and and then you, you look at Nolan Patrick playing like six and a half minutes of even strength time. My problem with this is, it may get you wins now, but this is not helping these guys play tough parts of games. It's not, and Travis Sanheim missing big chunks of third periods. Like, you can't keep doing that just to borrow a few wins. I don't think it's a great way to go. I really I, don't. I don't know. In this circumstance, I'm watching Konechny play, and again, he's certainly an offense. When he has the puck, it's like he's an offensive threat. But the fact of the matter is, Russ, if you're watching him play, he has had he has struggled in his own end, and if he's going to get top six minutes, he's got to be better in his own end. Well, then take him off the top six. I'm okay then, with that. That's it. But then that's basically what they're doing now. He's not on top six now. That's the lines now. If you watch the line distribution now, especially with Voracek getting dropped down, basically right now you got Raffle playing at the left wing, and right yeah. now it's working. Raffle scoring. And yeah, Raffle scoring with Voracek. He is. But they're basically right now. The way I look at it is this. It's better than, than connect me sitting in a press box right now, which is what happened to him last season. Mm-hmm. He had a st- butt staple to the press box. At least, again, he's out there playing in this circumstance. He's still young. He's still got things he has to learn. He'll be the first one to tell you that. And I'm saying that this is a promotional oh, no of strategy, but I do think there is a bit of sheltering going on with these guys. Um, because they have not – and, again, with Patrick, I'm not surprised at all because he has scuffled at times in his own end, and they are trying to at this point, you know, they, they don't feel comfortable enough with him in a two-way situation yet developmentally. Now, that can change as the season goes on. But for now, I'm not going to go after – I'm not going after their, their strategy in this case of, of, of giving them a little bit of ceiling around, especially for Patrick, who, again – is coming into the season after an injury-shortened year last year. I mean, you could turn around and say, well, then why not, why not just go let him play in World Juniors? Or well, that's like what that. I would they're do. Not, that's exactly yeah, I mean, what I would do. I mean, they would, but they're not going to do that right now because they don't, but in their, their circumstance, they, they don't think they've got enough center depth, I think, uh, beyond that. I mean, they could bring up Vecchione right now. They, they want to do to play, play fourth-line center. But then again, you the physical – again, his, his phys, Patrick's physical attributes – are something that you really can't replace right now. And while he's still learning, I very much think this is part and parcel of what Hextall has done. As much as we want to roll our eyes at it, it's still part of that slow cooker recipe of getting these guys dribs and drabs. But when it comes to Konechny, again, yes, the puck's on his stick. He's got, put it this way, if he's going to get top six minutes, 
he's got to be able to – his point totals have got to be higher than they've been to compensate for the fact that defensively he's, he's scuffled at times. He's, he's mm-hmm. scuffling quite a bit, and that's something that they're going to do. Again, to me, the progress is the fact that Axel's not stapling him into the press box right now. They're at least in year two letting him play, even if it is limited. So. I under, I understand Hackstall, you know, sort of hunkering down and using, you know, the best players that he can to get wins if he thinks his job is in jeopardy. And I know even though the Hackstall said his job isn't in jeopardy, I think. I think for this season that's probably legitimate, Mike. I mean, beyond this season, I think somebody there was a bit of hyperbole. I think on the yeah. on one of the writers' part when he in misinterpretation when he said and beyond that was never said. So right. I think he has the ride till the end of this year. Right. And they need to make progress uh, in that circumstance. But again, I'm sorry, but, I, didn't, I mean interrupt. No, no, it's okay. But but I, I, where where I where I struggle with things is that you know the lack of use of Konechny, the lack of use of Patrick. You know, this team is a rebuilding team, and, and for 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 in my eyes, if they're doing that, I think Hackstall is doing a disservice to the future of the team because I think you have to play these players and you know let them make mistakes and then don't just keep playing them. And, and not, you know, sort of giving them some negative reinforcement. But you have to play them. You have to get used to playing in this league, learn from their mistakes, and keep going. And he's not doing that. If Nolan Patrick learns nothing if he plays six minutes a game. Nothing. He's not playing six minutes a game. No, no, he's I not know, playing six minutes of even strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but, I, mean, I get that. But he's not playing – again, he's, he's, he's around the eight- to ten-minute mark, which isn't great, but again, but I would get more on – to me – I get more on Haxtell if those numbers are there a couple months from now. We get into February, January, February or so. If he's getting, if he's getting less clock than Valtteri Filpula is at that point, then I start to say, okay, he's, he's got enough ice time here. He's learned enough. You need to let the training wheels on. It's still in a spot here where I see the reason why. But okay. I would go in. I'm, I'm, I'm more likely to, to, fire, to put that criticism at their feet. And, I'll say to, and then I would say to him, what are what are you doing to move him along at that point? If this is the if this is the spoon feeding, so to speak, at the very beginning because he's still there's you know there's still things that he's learning, then that's one thing. Okay. But you know, I'm going to keep that there too for a little while. But then the other part of this equation is playing Travis Sandheim inordinate minutes in the first period and and almost nothing in the third. I mean, again, yes, you're making sure he does play a certain amount of minutes. But again, you're artificially changing the way a guy is going to play by playing him so much at the beginning of the game and not so much at the end of the game. You again can tell me, and, and I don't know what you're going to say, but people can tell me, hey, he's still playing, and I get that. But it's the important minutes is when these guys learn. And if he's not playing the important minutes in the end or in the third period or even for half the third period, it's it's going to – it's going to take longer for him to figure it out. No, I, on Sanheim, I would certainly say in this circumstance, if you're trusting him enough to play early in games, my curious, this is where I get into, I wonder how they're handling his developmental metrics and things of that sort. Is there uh-huh. something that's telling, that, telling them something, at least at this point, that they need to distribute the minutes this way? To me, I don't see how. Um, because, again, when you look at the talent level on the blue line right now, it is what it is. And you're giving – I don't know if – again, 
I, I, you never want, I, I don't want to compare anybody to Ivan Provorov because Provorov is no. a physical freak for his age. Yeah, yeah, he, he was an unusual circumstance. Yeah. He was. Whereas I do wonder whether or not he does, whether or not Sanheim in these circumstances may get a little more gas in the circumstances. But then, and that's in, in there, I think that they're trying because of current situation. I think because of some of the veterans that have been out of the lineup, they're using they used. Sanheim early in games and then maybe later on in the crunch time minutes, maybe there was things that went on during his shifts where they had some concerns. I also wonder again about, again, we get into, you know, they, they have their, they, again, I go back to metrics again, but they probably had their own, you know, breakdown physically monitors, things of that sort, where maybe they notice as he okay. goes along games right now, physically in terms of his development, Maybe there's a flat line if they play him a lot early on. But then what I would say is, then distribute his ice time much more appropriately than throughout the rest of the game. Right. If that's much, if it's that much of a concern. Yeah, I mean, Mike, this is something that Toronto had to deal with last year with different players. Mike, we lost Mike. I guess I we did. Hear him. Okay, so we move on, and I, I did want to give an update. I will let people know this is like a very snarky update. Artemi hmm. Panarin had five assists tonight. He's got 25 points. Brandon Saad has 14. So for that guy on Twitter that was getting on my case that when I said I felt like not only was it a steal for Columbus, I get that Chicago was under the gun. They had cap considerations, all that stuff. I get it. But the guy was trying to tell me, and look, I like Brandon Saad. Yeah. When you give up a, a score with the potential of Panarin, there's no recovering from that, like, point-wise. Like, you never can make up those points. And, you know, again, he's going to get his usual 70 to 80 points. He just is. Yeah. No, he's, he, he, he is the – at this point now, Panarin, I mean, the thing is he's always was always going to be second fiddle to the big guys there in Chicago. Yeah. And going to Columbus now, perfect opportunity, considering what their center situation and wing that he could – they could – alternate him back and forth to really maximize him because there was there was a crying need obviously yeah. for what he for what he can do. So Panarin, especially age wise and everything, I mean, and I like Brandon Scott, I really do. I think he's a Me good too. player. I do. But in terms of what Columbus needed at the time, Panarin perfectly fit. Yeah, I agree. Um I wrote something earlier if people want to check it out on Sportsology they can. I was saying and right now the Vegas game's tied up, so it's kind of interesting, Subban versus Subban. I was saying that a lot of times I get asked about the Calder situation on different shows I go on, and I didn't get enough time to talk today because they just said, who is your leader? And, of course, Brock Besser is the leader for me, right, and for most people. But uh, I still like Keller in the long run, but right now Besser's hot as a firecracker. There's no way around it. But mm-hmm. a guy who's not getting mentioned at all is Malcolm Subban, who – you know, he's he's got a 9.23 save percentage. He's actually 13th in the league with all goalies, not just, you know, a rookie goalie thing, and he's 6-2. and two. He's, he's on a nice run here where he's finally getting a chance in his career to sort of prove what he can do with an expansion team. Like, this mm-hmm. is, you know, again, he's not doing this I, like a Scott yeah. Darling thing in front of, like, a great Blackhawks defense or Talbot in front of a great Ranger defense back in the day. He's doing this with an expansion team. But so, I mean, said, I would say, I would say they, they, I've watched 
the, I've watched Gold, you know, Vegas play. Their defense is pretty solid. It's it is. Not, no, it is. It's not as it's good not, as, Chica- as the Chicago It's not defense, bad. It's definitely bad. not bad. It's, it's, I agree. It's, it's better than your average, especially a guy yes. like Braden McNabb is really kind of really and, – and Nate Schmidt. They got a legit top pair. They do. Uh, defensively there. But um, Subban, I think the key thing that's going to be with Subban is he, I think people kind of have in the back of their head that, you know, you got Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be coming back before long. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, I think, going to be sticking in people's heads with regards to it. That being said. I'm just talking yeah. about right now for the here and now, you know, like he's just not getting now, mentioned yeah. right now in the here and now. And, should but, be. I, but I do, but I think that's, that's in the back of people's minds right now. That's, that's fair. Whereas those other players, I think, are all, you know, the wheels are off. They're their guys. Yeah. They know what their situation is going to be. Whereas Subban, the minute that, that, that Flurry comes back, Flurry's the guy again, and that's I think the reason why I think people are sort of hesitant to say anything with regards to Malcolm. Now again, say Flurry gets injured again, or Flurry has an issue again, and it's Subban, and Subban continues this clip, then you start getting into that. Then I think you legitimately begin getting into that conversation. But one thing I will say to you, and I completely agree, that there was ever any question about the fact that Malcolm Subban was the National Hockey League goaltender, he's completely uh, he, he he is more than. Uh, Shown the fact that he is, he is he is definitely that. Well, yeah, I'm back, I'm back guys. Um, okay. The I don't know what happened. The line went dead there for a second. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you the, the uh, Vegas defense let Subban down tonight because there were a couple of on the goals. second goal, definitely. Yeah, uh, but uh, I mean, I, I will grant. I, I've always thought you know he's got the physical ability uh, to be an NHL goaltender. He really didn't. I mean, he he didn't progress as as quickly as. The Bruins would have liked him to to have, um, but I mean, I, he it was a perfect opportunity for Vegas to, um, you know, to pick him up off of waivers and give him an opportunity. I mean, it's it, it, it right now like that team where they are. Nobody expected him to be this good this quickly, but having a young goaltender and giving him a lot of work, and they having a guy like Flurry. I mean, that's a perfect one too, and that's a, a good combination. So. I think it's you know it, it it could the best thing that could have happened to Malcolm Subban may have been, been to be placed on waivers. Yep, I agree, and and it's a killer for Boston, but it was Vegas's good fortune. The the other thing that I uncovered with this Ant was looking at that 2012 draft. I started counting up the amount of goalies that had just gotten yeah. in NHL time, and it's 12. Like it's yeah. massive. Yeah, it was a good it was a, it was a good draft in terms of uh, NH, of, of NHL goalies. I think in terms of uh, Especially Vasilevsky, obviously, who's yeah. you know, heading that class right now. Vasilevsky and Murray being the real stars of it, yeah. And and Hellebuck now pushing it, and other guys, and Fred, there's still a few. Yeah, Freddie Anderson. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's still a, a few that can come. Yeah, it's an, it's it doesn't get talked about enough. It really was something else that I looked at, and I, you know, Corpusalo. There's just a lot of guys, and I was like, wow, you know, uh, and and Vegas playing more than one of them. You know, they had Oscar Dance too, so. Yeah, exactly. Dan's getting in the picture there as well, which I thought was, uh, you know, it's good to see him back because again, I was, you know, he, when he left initially, he was, he was lost. He was like, when he was in North America last time. He was lost, and it really, uh, I, I'm, I, you know, we'll see where he goes at this point now in terms of his career, but uh, kind of pulling for him to see if he can, uh, he can get it, you know, get it. Yeah, if he can get it together for somebody. I mean, right now he's on the IR, but at least he he did show a little bit. But anyhow, Mm -hmm. people could check out the article. They could see where the goalies were drafted. It's kind of interesting. We move on. We um, I wanted to bring up the Leafs because Mike and I were sort of debating this, and I'll let I'll let Anthony go first. 
But the use of Matt Martin, I you know, I'm watching the game the other day. He has a penalty. Of course, I forget who they're playing. The other team scores. You know, they end up winning the game 2-1, but that one nothing lead was holding for a long time. Calgary. And, yes, thank you, Calgary. And, and I just, you know, I look at Matt Martin as a player, and, and, and I say, do players really need protecting anymore? I really don't feel like there's anything to protect. If you want to say, hey, we're playing a tough divisional game and you have an idea that somebody's going to be targeted for that game, great. But I think if you're going with the rule that, well, I've got to protect guys because they're going to be targeted every game, then I think you're wasting your time with Matt Martin. I think he's a good locker room guy. I'm not saying get rid of him on the team, but I'm saying yeah. he, could, he could see a little bit more bench and, and they probably could get more use out of somebody else. That's just my feeling. What's your feeling? I, from, from my perspective on Martin, I think it's a case where I think it's, the season, it's another case where as the season goes on and Toronto, and Toronto gets closer and closer to the postseason, you could see it, uh, uh, you'll, you'll see a reduction in his appearances in this circumstance in terms of not appearances, I mean, on the ice, but just in terms of, you know, in, in terms of ice time situations. But I think I'm going to, I'm going to defer to Mike on this one because this okay. is uh, Mike. I, I think, I think Martin is an integral part of the Leafs. I, I, you know, he, now, I, I don't think he's as bad a player as some make him out to be. I know that the analytics crowd you know, despises Matt Martin, doesn't like physicality in the game, but I, I think he's an essential part of that fourth line. He's, he, I think he can, you know, he can score the odd goal. He didn't have a good year last year, but the year before with the Islanders, he had a pretty good year playing with Zizekas and Clutterbuck. And I think, you know, this year they put Dominic Moore on the fourth line, but they have this rotating thing of Marner or Nylander or Brown or whoever that it's tough for that line to have a lot of consistency. But I think Martin is out there to basically protect the guys like Matthews, Nylander, Marner. And that the reason is is because there is little physicality other than Kadri and Komarov on the forward lines with Toronto, you have a couple feisty guys, Komarov, you know, Kadri, Hyman maybe, but there's nobody who provides any kind of physical presence, nobody who really hits other, other than Komarov. And I, I think he's, he's necessary. And he's not a bad player, so I, I don't see why there's a problem. I don't think he's a bad player, but I think when things get tighter, you can get a lot more use out of somebody else than you will out of him. I just think at the end of the day, he's just a notch above someone like Tanner Glass. He's better than Tanner Glass. How much better? Not that much. Yeah, I, I mean, I, last year, in, I know last year was different because the Leafs, I think, were probably happy, very happy just to make the playoffs. But yeah. last year when they were in the postseason, he played a regular shift with, with uh, Kapanen and Brian Boyle. They played nine, ten minutes a night. And I think when you get down to the playoffs this year, if they make it, which I think they probably will, you're probably going to see guys like Matthews and Kadri giving a lot more ice time. Maybe there'll be a reduction in Martin's ice time, but I still think he'll be a presence. Well, we'll see. I mean, again, it's just something I, I thought I'd bring up because I, me personally, if I was a fan of the Leafs, I don't want to see him in the playoffs. I would want to see him in the playoffs – if I'm down two nothing in a series and my team is lifeless, fine, bring them in, charge them up. But otherwise, I probably don't want to see them. But that's okay. I mean, it's just, it's just I felt there was something worth talking about um, tonight. The only thing I wanted to talk about tonight was I saw that um, that the uh, Capitals did beat the Rangers four two, and 
And uh, we know that Barry Trotz talked about Kevin Shattenkirk, and Kevin Shattenkirk was a minus three. So, Ant, does that mean he wins the argument, or it just means it's just one of those games? I would I, I would lean towards it's one of those games. But, again, I think we get the idea that I, I think um, Trotz has always been a bit disaffected by uh, – by Kevin, um, in terms of just watching the postseason last year, just how up and down he was when they needed a bit more steadying play for a guy who was going into his uh, into a big free agent contract. And again, I like I like Kevin for the most part, but you got to have him. He does sometimes need to, I think, do a better job of pulling his own weight in his own end. That's my biggest thing with him. That's fair, Mike. Well, when I, when the comments came out. And the reaction from Shattenkirk came back. I mean, all, all I know is that it sounded to me like Trotz was not on board with bringing Shattenkirk in, and it was reflected last year, especially in the first round series against Toronto. They used Nate Schmidt more than they used Shattenkirk. Shattenkirk was essentially a sixth defenseman and a specialist. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is, you know, if if Trotz wasn't on board with it, then there's a disconnect between him and McClellan, the general manager, because. Uh, we know that when they when that deal was made at near the deadline last year, it, it was perceived as them blocking, say, Pittsburgh or the Rangers or somebody else from getting Shattenkirk. Well, that's all fine and good, but when you give up assets for a player like that and then the coach doesn't really want him on the team, what the hell is the point in doing the deal? True. Nope, that's true. All right, one, one last subject here. We know there was a trade last night, Jordan Subban for Nick Dowd, and – the interesting thing is, Ant, I don't know if you ever watched the um, – it's not Pawn Stars. It's the other show that's out of Detroit. You know, you got the old Jewish guy and mm, – No. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, Diners Drive is to Dive? No, 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 no. It's another pawn. He, they own a pawn business in, in, in the Detroit area. I forget. I'll get the name of it in a minute. I, I watch none of these shows, Ross. Okay. No, that's fine. I am a, you, I, I am a reality – the only reality television I watch is, is ice hockey. Thank you. That's fine. Um, hardcore porn. Anyhow, so, <laughs> so, but the point is, the point is, with this trade, it's almost like the Kings are the guy at hardcore core porn, and they're like, so you want Nick Dowd? How we know you got an injury? Give us Jordan Subban. We know you're not doing anything with him. We know he's off to a, a disappointing start this year. Give us Subban, and we'll, we'll give you Dowd. He'll help you. You can put him right in the lineup. He'll he wins faceoffs, and, and and all of that is true. And Jim Benning did what he had to do, I guess, because he probably felt like he didn't have anybody else he could bring up. I don't know if that's true, but that's the case. I got to tell you, Ant, that could be a, a trade that in just Maybe. a year or two could look awful. It might, it might. But again, I think I think they they like Dowd in terms of. Again, I think he, 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 he's a high-character player. I mm-hmm. think uh, he, he does fit a specific role for Vancouver um, that, that, I think, that, that I think is necessary. I think once you get a guy, once you get Horvat and some of their injuries back, that could very much solidify their fourth line. That being said, yes, the potential for Jordan Subban long-term is what gives you pause in terms of, you know, if he's – well, and the Kings being able to develop defensemen, they're like yeah, exactly. And, they're and, and great that's at that's it. My, that was my next point: is the fact yeah. that the Kings have been outstanding at developing defensemen. And again, with the potential, the, the long-term potential of Drew Doughty maybe eventually exiting, 
you want to have that next generation ready to step in or not, not completely offset those minutes, but at least in a few years have players who can be able to do that. If well, they have Cal Clay. He'll be, he'll be one of them for sure. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, again, yeah. I, I like the deal. It's one of those circumstances where I, 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 see, the, I see the deal from, from Vancouver's perspective in the short term. I think he does fit in for them long term if he's playing in that role. But, yeah, Subban's, I think, ceiling is, is higher. Uh, in terms of what he could potentially bring uh, to the LA Kings blue line. Mike, I'm sure you have an opinion. It's Vancouver. You always have an opinion on Vancouver. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've seen, I've seen Subban play a couple times in the American Hockey League. He's small, but he's got speed. He's got offensive, you know, instincts. So mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's something there. And the funny thing is, uh, there was talk that they were happy with his progress as or as recent as the end of last year. And then when Travis Green gets uh, elevated to head coach of the Canucks, he, he was the coach of Subban. And to me, them trading him is sort of a sign that Green, I guess, wasn't the biggest fan of him. Right. Now, I know, I know, that, I know that they got Dowd because they needed him because Horvat is out. For desperation. It was desperation. But he, there, there were other assets in that organization that I, I would think that they would have you know, been able to get somebody like Dowd or you know, some other center for a little bit of a cheaper price. It's like, it's like basically I, I felt like they got like 20 cents on the dollar for, for Jordan Subban. That's why I brought up the pawn shop reference. Last thing. I don't know if you guys have an opinion on this or not. You know, things are going bad for a team right now. The uh, Chicago uh, Buffalo game looks like it's going to a shootout. And you know, things are going bad when you see Justin Falk, the other one mm. still in the league. I don't know if you guys have an opinion on that, but to me it's like, wow, things have to be really bad if he's playing. The Sabres defense has been so <laughs> decimated with injuries that even the second-tier guys that they didn't think would, were going to play uh, in the NHL, like Matt Tennyson and Saul, yeah. um, you, know, you know, they were injured. Those guys were injured, and they're bringing up players who I didn't even know who the hell they were. So. It's it's really bad for Buffalo right now, but you know what? It's not much better for Chicago because no. that team with all the all the big time talent and the uh, and guys with Stanley Cup rings, and you're starting to see the age sort of creep in on them. Yep. And any last? Well, one? basically, I mean, it, I, I think I, what, it, as of a little bit earlier, I think some I think the shot totals in this game are attempts. I think it was like seventy six to thirty one in favor of the Blackhawks. I mean. I know that's kind of a side note there, but it's like, yeah, Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to end it there. I am going to put a uh, an interview on this show from the NHLPA rookie photo shoot. I, I don't remember who I'm going to put on, but I'll, I'll put it in the description. Uh, it's a in the surprise. It'll be a surprise, yes. <laughs> it will, but it will be good. All these guys have been good. But anyhow, that's it. Thanks for tuning in. That's Off the Post. Catch us next time. Take care, everybody. Just hang up. Something's wrong with this thing. I'll I'll have to recall and shut it off. All right? Okay, goodbye.